0: It's time for the Raging Cajun Army, the only place where it's all Cajuns, all the time. Kick is on its way, and the kick is good! Cajun win! Cajuns win! Cajun win! Cajuns win! Cajuns win! Cajuns win! Cajuns win! Cajuns win! Good. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of the Raging Cajun Army, I'm your host Matt Miguez and sitting next to me, you know this is kind of becoming a tradition, I'm about to just make him my official co-host, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen Jerry Abear. Jerry what's going on man?
1: Not much, once again as I said last week and the week before we are one week closer to kickoff.
0: God we are we are 16 days away.
1: Think of it this way, okay Saturday night rolls around, or this coming Saturday night rolls around. Technically, it would be as if we have a bye week the following week before, kicking yeah. off two weeks later.
0: Yeah. No, yeah. You're uh, absolutely right. It, and, and Pretty honestly, cool. And honestly, it can't come fast enough. I'm, I'm so excited for football. Obviously, we're talking about the season opener against Mississippi, Mississippi State on August 31st, and we're going to get into that here in a little bit. That's going to be the main topic of this episode. But we're going to start with the Louisiana soccer program. Uh, they open their season tomorrow night exhibition game in Hammond against southeastern Louisiana I mean I know that that soccer's not you know a widely talked about sport especially especially here but you know obviously with the new hire of, of Lance Key and the experience that he has what do, what do you think he can bring to the table in terms of the the Rage of Soccer Program
1: well I think it brings a little bit of energy um the fact that he played in MLS is a pretty cool little fun fact as well um and also, he has success everywhere he's coached. Um, not to mention, this year I think it's a great combination of Coach Key coming in as well as if you saw the video the other day of the new locker room renovations at the uh, – Yeah,
0: the locker room looks fantastic. Yeah, at
1: the, tra- at the track and soccer facility. So there's a whole lot of newness. And when there's newness, it breeds it breeds a sort of uh, a demand to wanna, whether it's coming to play for, for Louisiana soccer or, or showing a little more interest. Um, I do think this is one of those seasons where it's sort of a wait and see. Uh, anytime there's a first-year coach coming in, I'm always kind of curious to see how long it will take for the coach to kind of adjust to a new – or should I say the players adjust to a to a new system as well as sort of the culture that I'm sure uh, uh, Coach Lansky is trying to build there. But it's exciting. It's very exciting. And I think uh, it looks like – it sounds like the girls are practicing really hard, and it should be a, a fun year. I'm, and I'm always very curious. I'm a soccer fan, so I always – of course, I follow the team. But – you know, being that there's a new coach who has had success in the past, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how quick. Because it's not a question of if, it's a question of when is this program going to, to going going to really take off. So, hopefully, it's sooner than later. But in very very exciting times for for Louisiana soccer.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And like like we said, you know, the the season opens tomorrow in Hammond against Southeastern. If you want to catch them this weekend, you can obviously make that road trip to Hammond, or you can wait till Sunday. They're going to be a tad bit closer in Lake Charles. Uh, taking on, taking on McNeese, but they won't be at home until September the fifth.
1: Yeah, that's um, and I want to say that's the the first that was before the first home game for football. Right. Uh, yeah. Two that's Thursday, that's the correct? that's the Thursday night. Correct. Okay. Okay.
0: Um. So yeah, there there's a there's a long gap to bridge between, you know, the first game of the season and the first home game. But uh, Lance Key and company, obviously, they're they're really excited about the the opportunity to, like like we said, kind of take take the Louisiana Soccer program to the next level. And also another thing kicking off this weekend on campus is the volleyball program. Man, they uh jeez. They uh they have their interscro inner squad scrimmage Saturday afternoon in historic E. K. Long Gymnasium. I wanna say it's at two o'clock on Saturday, uh free admission at EK Long, so go out, support the volleyball team. Um I think Heather Mazadas Fonteno and her her staff are gonna have a have a good team this year. Um, obviously, the last, last year was a little bit of a struggle. Mm-hmm. But um, I think I think they're ready to bounce back this year in a big way.
1: I've always kind of enjoyed the, the volleyball games. It, it, they're okay long. The beauty of it, it's a very in, intimate uh, environment, and it creates a lot of noise. Even though he only fits a few hundred people, I mean, it, it can get really loud in a crucial game. And, um, you know, I think uh, Coach – Coach Font knows she's done a good job with this program, and and I'm excited to see what the girls can do. Um, and also, what's great is that it looks like they have a little bit of a home stand, or they, they begin the season. Um, they go to Houston Baptist on the 24th, but you know the Doubletree Classic followed by the Sawyer Camillo Memorial Classic uh, in consecutive weekends. So you have a lot of chances to go watch these the, the girls play at RK Long and see what they can do and what kind of what kind of volleyball team they yeah, have this year. Yeah, you,
0: you can you can go watch the the whiz as they like to call her junior haley wasnoski she was the sunbelt freshman of the year 2 years ago for louisiana and so now we'll get into the topic that everybody is is talking about the town's buzzing uh, and it's, that's the louisiana mississippi state football kickoff and the mercedes-benz superdome on august 31st obviously you know as the, as the game gets closer we're learning a little more about you know who's playing where who's injured who's who might not suit up in that game you know has your prediction of what could happen on the 31st changed a little bit as as news has kind of come out
1: honestly not really um i don't really put too much emphasis on on that per se as much as i do uh how much i guess how much each player has improved um you know i'm one of those type of guys that i trust the coach you know to to wherever whatever position a player is in or how whoever starts however the depth chart is set up it, that's that's up i mean there's a reason why we pay we pay coach napier to do that so right right i'm one of those guys that you know I, and in and, and napier i trust so as far as standouts i really haven't i'll be honest with you i have a confession i really haven't been paying too much attention to it mainly because you know i one lesson I've learned, I remember when I was a manager in 2007, I remember before the season
0: started. You're showing your age there a little bit, Jerry, but go
1: ahead. Uh, I know, I even have gray hair coming in. It's, it's, a, it's a bummer. But anyway, um, with that, uh, you know, that, that, that's, that fall, uh, or should I say for fall camp, there were a lot of high expectations that year. Um, and, you know, from what I saw in the scrimmages, from the type of talent that we had that that particular season going into the season, I had a lot of high expectations. Uh, I thought the team was good enough to win eight or nine games, and then all of a sudden, the first week or two, they start off 0 and 2, or they they lose the first game, then they go 0 and 2, they lose a heartbreaker to Ohio, and then of course the infamous Magneese massacre, the third week where the team started 0 and 3, and then 0 and 4, and then 0 and 5. So what I'm trying to say is I can't, I don't really set expectations until I, I see what I see the first game. Um, but I'm hoping the main thing is that what for what I hope now is everybody's healthy nobody's getting hurt I'm hoping that you know the team can be as healthy as possible come August 31st more than anything regardless of who starts or where the depth chart lies that's I trust the coaches to get that done
0: yeah absolutely and you know obviously I I tend to agree with you on the you know your real opinions and your real expectations come after you see it in action sure but this is kind of a rough first uh First look. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you're taking on a highly talented and highly regarded SEC program in, in Mississippi State. Uh, Joe Moorhead and company. Joe Moorhead's in his second season at Mississippi State. He went eight and five last year. So I mean, not a not a pretty record by any means, especially for the SEC. But um, you know, you you break down the games that they lost. A lot of them were were fairly close uh, they lost to Florida by seven LSU they lost 19 to three um, their bowl game they only lost by a touchdown so there there's games that look that you look at on the scoreboard and say well you know maybe that could have gone the other way
1: yeah I think so and and when you really think about it I mean most of their losses came at the hands of some some decent football teams I mean Kentucky was sort of that Cinderella last year that was a I mean, that was an impressive win for Kentucky. But then you look at Florida. You know, Florida, I mean, Dan Mullen did a great job turning that team around last year. And then, of course, LSU. I mean, LSU was LSU. And, I mean, uh, Alabama. Lost to yeah. Alabama. It's it's Alabama. So you, you
0: you kind of skip over that one, but
1: uh. Well, the thing is, when you look at some of these losses, that they're, they're losses to good teams. It yeah, wasn't absolutely. Like they they got upset by. I mean, they destroyed Ole Miss. They took care they, of Arkansas. They, they weren't losing to. Stephen they won the games they were supposed to win. Right, right. Um, and I hate to say it, but including against against Louisiana. But um, you know, here's the big difference, and, and it's the elephant in the room with them. You know, we we're talking about a oh, quarterback who's going to do what. Mississippi State, Nick Fitzgerald, gone, graduated. So, with them now, I mean, they have a new quarterback. I believe the transfer from from Penn, Penn State, State, Tommy Stevens. Tommy Stevens, and they got the other guy from New Orleans,
0: Keon Thompson. Keon yeah.
1: Thompson, who played a little bit, I believe, last season. Yeah. Uh, so, there's a lot of question marks for them. I mean, they lost over twenty. I think it was over twenty five seniors, uh, especially some of which were, I mean, were drafted. Were drafted in the NFL draft this past spring. So. There's a lot of question marks there, but again, it's an SEC team, so those teams reload easily. Uh, I know their recruiting recruiting classes over the past few years have been astounding. They've been amazing. So they have some talent, but at the same time, look, some of these guys are getting their first starts. They're going to play for the first time come August 31st, and... You know, and sometimes those players, whether regardless of if you're a P five or you're playing in the south lane, it's always those first game jitters. So yeah, no,
0: absolutely. You know, this
1: is this is one of those games you want Louisiana to come out and punch them in the mouth early. Yeah, you know, give them a little bit of a surprise to shake them up.
0: And you know, look, looking at the numbers here, they uh, they lost twenty three letter winners last year from yeah. last season. So that you know that's a that's a big number to uh, to recover from. But if you look at the offense. They returned seven starters from that 11. Yeah. So their offense basically just is just going to have to fill in a couple pieces, and obviously one of those pieces is the biggest on your offense. The quarterback. And that, and that is your quarterback. Of course. But, you know, it, it's got to feel good when you look at that piece of paper and know that you have seven guys that started for you the year before coming back to stay in that spot.
1: Of course, so not to mention, I mean, look, Mississippi State's offense last year, I mean, really, when you think about it, Joe Moorhead is an offensive genius, okay? I mean, he look at what he did at Penn State, you know, see what he did last year with, with, with Nick Fitzgerald under center, but he's very innovative, too. Um, I think the, the thing about Nick Fitzgerald was that towards the end of the season, look, he was a great quarterback, but he was also sometimes one-dimensional. You know, his arm might not have been the greatest, it might not have been the most accurate, but with Joe Moorhead, he's a very innovative offensive-minded coach to where, you know, if he, if he finds the right quarterback, whether it's, um, what are they? Um,
0: Tommy Stevens. Tommy
1: Stevens. Or, or Keontan Thompson. Drawing a blank, or Thompson. I mean, regardless of which one he finds, if he can build a system around one of those guys, you know, most likely it'll be Stevens. But if he can do that and, and create a little bit of diversity offensively, I mean, Mississippi State can have – they can be fun to watch. And I'm hoping that – now, I hope it's like the third or fourth game – that they find their identity, right, right? I hope they struggle
0: like crazy I don't, against I, us. I, I don't want them to find it on no, Saturday, August thirty no. first.
1: But but you know the thing about Joe Moorhead is he is a, he's, he's like Dan Mullen. He's just an offensive he's an offensive guru, and you know you can expect Mississippi State to score points. I mean you know they've they've had a reputation over the past five or six years to be able to get in the end zone pretty 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 easily.
0: Yeah, um, and you know I I plan on I'm, I'm in discussions right now with color analyst Chris Lano. Mm-hmm. On um, doing a weekly segment with him, you know, kind of pregame, Absolutely. you know, what 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 the Cajuns should do in order to be victorious, and you know, kind of a kind of an early glance, what 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 do you see that the Cajuns kind of need to execute against a team like Mississippi State in order to have a fighting chance to take home a victory?
1: Well, anytime you play a P five school, the first thing you try to do is you try to beat them in the trenches. You know, the offensive and defensive line have to be able to battle up front, create openings on offense, be able to make some key stops on defense. You don't want what happened last season in Starkville to happen again where you give up third downs, you, you, let, you give up big plays, uh, you, you miss, you drop passes, or you overthrow a wide-open receiver. Like, I mean, look, they left so many opportunities. Or should I say they let go of so many opportunities last season to where Mississippi State, the second they caught their groove, you, we couldn't stop them. Um, I think this year what they're going to have to do is, look, Mississippi State, they actually have, I believe on the defensive side of the ball, they've actually lost two of their linemen to the NFL draft, both of which I believe were first or second round picks. Right. That's huge. Now, like I said, can can the next guy up come in and start pick up from where they left off? Most likely in the first game, maybe not. And I think the Cajuns with the three-headed monster that we talked about between Mitchell, Colley, and Regis maybe the Cajun offense could take advantage of that, especially at the fact that they have an offensive line that's coming back. That's going to be pretty, pretty darn good. So that's where you can actually get them on early is, 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 is to be able to – you should be able to move the ball uh, offensively in the trenches. And so, to me, what the Cajuns are going to have to do is do exactly what they didn't do last season in Starkville. Number one, move the ball in the trenches, be able to convert on third downs, be able to extend drives and score early – and number two, be able to stop their third downs, uh, especially with Mississippi State's on the field. Don't let Mississippi State uh, convert their third downs and extend drives. Make them punt early and and show them. Look, we came to play.
0: Right, absolutely. Um, I, I I agree with you with the with the battle in the trenches. And I, I think one of the biggest things is going to be finding where finding where your strengths are and sure. finding them early. Um, and obviously, you know the the expected strength is going to be the ground game mm-hmm. but when you when you play a team like mississippi state you know those power 5 sec teams you know the running game kind of tends to not be very successful mm-hmm. um usually sec defenses are weaker in the secondary than they are you know on, in in the front seven so i i think one thing that the Cajuns are going to have to be prepared to do in that game is they're going to have to be prepared to throw the ball quite a bit
1: and that's another thing and I think that's why if you hear fans talk about the quarterback situation you know look I don't know what to expect from any of the quarterbacks and I know Levi Lewis is definitely going to most likely I don't say definitely but most likely get the start to where you know he's going to have to make some good throws now I mean, depending on I don't know how he's doing at camp. Depending on whether or not he's improved, it doesn't matter. But come August 31st, he's going to have to make some big throws. Whether it's third down, whether it's you know, um, you know a third a third down pass down the seam or a quick three yard pass in the flat. Or I mean, he's look Mississippi State's defense, regardless of what they're replacing, they're going to send some blitz packages. They're going to try to rattle them, especially when the Cajuns are lined up in the shotgun, ready to throw. So uh, I think the pocket presence is going to have or should I say the pocket presence and the protection are going to be crucial for for whoever the quarterback is, if it's Levi, to, to make a good throw. Yeah. And be able to convert, be able, like I said, to extend those drives. But I think, the like you said, the Cajun passing game is going to have to be effective against this Mississippi State defense.
0: And, and a big issue that, that a lot of people are having with this game is although there seems to be a lot of fan excitement and fan involvement, there also seems to be not a lot of it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um. How, how, obviously, you know the the fan interaction in the game is is a huge huge point. But is there a way for the Cajuns to combat that if you know maybe the crowd doesn't show up to what they might be expecting?
1: I think regardless of that, I I believe the team is just going to be excited to play a P5 school in the Superdome. Um, That's a huge opportunity for them. Uh, You know, not many G5 schools have this opportunity that the Cajuns have, and that's going up against a P5 at a neutral site. If you look at a lot of these neutral site games, it's usually two P5s, right? It's always like the ACC paired with the SEC or the Big Ten paired with the Big 12 or or whatever, right? right? And so the fact that they were able to have a game like this to where you have a G5 like UL go up against a team like Mississippi State on an at a neutral site that's a privilege that's a privilege for a mid-major so I think the guys are going to be excited because of the fact that they just have the opportunity and look as fans we need to step up and I'll say that again as like Cajun Nation we need to step up if you have nothing going on that Saturday you like let's show up let's support these guys you know and so I know. Look, I know there's a lot going on on Labor Day. I know people take vacations and you have other obligations. But if you're not doing anything,
0: here, go. here, go here's to the my thing. and
1: go watch the game because these guys, these guys need the support.
0: I read Jay Walker's article. It was a, it was a damn good and, article. It was and, a very good article. You know there, there were a lot of excuses listed in that article as to why people aren't going to the game. Mm-hmm. Only one of them, in my opinion, is valid. You have something planned with the family for labor day absolutely and like i said if you have
1: other plans if you're going on vacation
0: tickets tickets are too expensive 25 dollars yeah that's not a lot no that's not a lot
1: especially in the superdome
0: uh decadence festival is that weekend okay that's in the french quarter right don't go to the french quarter Right. Like, like if that's a problem for you, don't go to the French Quarter.
1: Or you could just after the game just go straight home.
0: Just go home, yeah. You you're to, you're right have, there on the interstate. You don't have to stay in New Orleans. Slip off, slip back on. Like that's what I always do. Yeah. I mean, I Look, never I never stay in New Orleans. Let me tell
1: you, for Saints games, I and this is why I don't think there's an excuse. Look, I I had season tickets to Saints games for a while, and it got to the point where it just got when I moved to Lafayette, it just got harder to go. But for twelve o'clock kickoff, I left eight thirty. Got to the Dome around 10, 30, 11 o'clock. I was in my seat for kickoff. After the game, drove straight back to Lafayette. I was back home around 5 or 6 that night. Barring whether or not I stopped at my parents' house or stopped to get food or whatever. Right, right. But you could do that for this game. You can leave 7, 7, 30, o'clock, get to New Orleans about 10, go to the game,
0: go I'm back home. home. No, go home. It, it, it's an 11 o'clock kickoff. That's too early. Why is that too early? Like you just said, wake up at 7, leave your house for eight. You're in new Orleans for 10, 10 30. You're there right for kickoff. My, uh,
1: well, I mean, look,
0: I mean, we'll, we'll be there. Um,
1: we're actually staying at a hotel downtown. I think it's with the team, I believe. And the wife and her friends, they're actually going to the backstreet boys concert the night before in the smoothie King center. Right. Right. And it's some of her sorority sisters from college. And, uh, I'll be at the hotel hanging out, watching football and we're spending the night. We're going to the game Saturday. And that afternoon, most driving likely, right back driving home. back to Lafayette. And you know yep. it's going to be easy. And the reason why we did it that way is that it's Labor Day weekend. We want to just come home and chill. But we do want to go to the game. But it's not like the game's being played in Phoenix or Florida to where you have to get yeah, a it's not play. It's or, not a road
0: trip. No. It's, it's a, it's a two-hour two hour drive hour down drive. I-10 yeah. or Highway 90, whichever way you choose. There's no um, reason. And,
1: and here's the thing. This is the opportunity for the Cajuns in front of the entire country to show that they can compete. With the big boys, all right? Absolutely. They have like again. This is a privilege for G five. Absolutely. To play an SEC school at a neutral site and and really treat us as the home team. We're yeah, the home we're, team. We're the home team. So when you have that type of opportunity, you capitalize on it, and that goes for the fans as well. And look, I'm not going to sit here and bash our fans. I love our fans. But if you have nothing else to do, go to the game. Yeah. There, this there's, team. There's, no, there's there's no there's no
0: excuse. reason there's no reason why we don't sell. Twenty-five to thirty thousand tickets. There's no, there's no excuse. No. Um. And I will say, I did find
1: out that I did find out a number as of earlier this week. Do yeah? Well, what do you? Uh, I'm hearing somewhere around fourteen to fifteen thousand for both schools. So, and that's combined, guys. Yeah, hey, that's that's like not great. Wolf on Wall Street rookie numbers.
0: That's not that's yeah, not pump great. Up
1: those numbers, man. Rookie numbers.
0: Um, and look,
1: I, I think. I do think that there's there are going to be some walk-ups. I of don't course. think people there and, always are. And look, let's be honest. If you order online, especially from like Ticketmaster, look at the fees that come with it. People I think, aren't paying. People that. aren't going to pay the credit card fees. Right. So, but but at the same time, if you want to order through the Cajun Dome box office, order through the Cajun Dome box office. You know, you can go to the Cajun Dome and order from them, or if you want to go. Come game day. Look, it's not going to be a sellout. It's going to be far from it. Yeah, walk up to so the yeah, game I mean, order a Twenty five bucks. You can get, get, the get the your tickets the day of. Yeah. yeah, cheapest available. So,
0: go to the game. Go to the game. Support the Cajuns against against this P five. And and you know it it kind of falls as a as a perfect opportunity for the Cajuns, like you said, to show the entire country that you know we're 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 not we're tired of being looked at as. That other school in Louisiana, because that's our national perception. Um, we'll will never be what LSU is, but and and you see that that statement really irks me, because we're not trying to be LSU.
1: Well, that's okay. We're 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 our, we're, we're, our, we're right. We're, we're our, our own, own identity.
0: We're never. I I don't think anybody in our athletic department is trying to say, oh, we're trying to be LSU. Well, because it's never
1: going to happen. There's a misconception there, and I think a lot of people forget that when they say you're trying to be like LSU, it's this mindset that, well, we're trying to be in the SEC. Look, I tell my LSU friends all the time, instead of getting upset about it, how about you take it as a compliment? Because you know what? I would love to compete for a national championship. I would love to have a sellout stadium every game. I said, instead of complaining about it, look, you should take this as a compliment if a school wants to be like you. Now, I think we have our own identity. I think we have our own culture. I think we have our own way of doing things. But if... If you if we were to say, were well, you trying to be you if, if you're trying to say that we're trying to be like LSU and the fact that we want to win like LSU, well you're damn right. Who wouldn't want to win like LSU? Right. And this is a compliment to LSU. They win. Who wouldn't want to win?
0: Consistently.
1: Yeah. So instead no, of complaining I'll... about it, you know, I'll tell next time somebody says that it's like, yeah, we want to be like LSU, we want to win.
0: I mean it's I...
1: not it's it's common, it's common sense, it's logic. Take the emotion out for a second. You wanna win. You know, I mean, I don't understand what what the big deal is about that. And when they say, "Well, you're trying to be like them," look, we're not. We don't. We don't want to be them. We're the Cajuns. We wear red. We don't wear purple. We're different. We're different in that case. But if LSU wins ten games, you damn right, I want to win ten games. Yeah. We've never done that before in our school
0: history. Ever. Yeah. Most. So in time. that case, yeah, I do want to be like them, and I want to win. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I totally agree. Look, Cajun Nation, we're going to take a quick break, and whenever we come back, we will talk a little more about this game and we will dive into the whole rcaf donation plan that billy napier has implemented within the football program so don't go anywhere we'll be right back on their education army the raging cajun army podcast is brought to you each and every week by nick selfo state farm conveniently located across from the petroleum club at 200 Hyman boulevard here in lafayette call nick and his staff for all your insurance needs whether it be home auto life or health 337-981-6638. And we're back here on the Raging Cajun Army, Matt Niguez, Jerry Aber. We're talking previews for the Mississippi State game, and we're also going to get into that RCAF implement donation plan that, that Billy Napier has implemented with his program. Uh, Jerry, you know, before we, we totally ditched the whole Mississippi State preview, I kind of like to every once in a while see what an early score prediction would be. Mm -hmm. Um, I I know it's early. I know there's a lot of question marks still in this game. But on paper, looking at everything right now, what do you see a possible prediction for a final score being?
1: It can be either really good for us or really bad. Um, And I say that because you know... I don't really know what to expect at any time during the first game against a P5. Uh, If you look at our history, most of the time we played a P5 to start the season, it hasn't been too pretty. Um, But in this case, I do think the coaching staff is going to do a great job preparing these guys. I think being the fact that these guys are one year under the Billy Napier system, I think it's going to help. And I do think that Mississippi State they are replacing a few key guys, especially at the quarterback position, and those two defensive linemen who were you know top picks last season in the NFL draft coming in to fill that void. And I, is going to be is going to be a little difficult, especially if if the reputation precedes us of what we have at offensive line and, and at running back. So if we show up to play, if we show up to play, I do think I'll say this: I do think the Cajuns can cover the twenty-two point spread. Yeah. Um I would say and I'm not wanna be a pessimist when I say this, but if the score is thirty five to twenty, thirty four twenty one, thirty eight to twenty four. I don't 38, believe thirty eight twenty one.
0: I don't believe in moral victories, but guess what? I'll take that.
1: A thirty eight twenty one loss. I'll take that. I'm not gonna sit there and go, Oh man, this is horrible. But I'm gonna say, you know, if we compete and Mississippi State, just, you see, if Mississippi State just comes out in the second half and they're just they're just deeper than we are.
0: Yep. Okay. There, hey, you nothing, know what? There's nothing. We and we can come do about out injury
1: free. We cover the spread.
0: Okay. There's nothing we can do about that. I'm
1: still going to be upset that we lost. Oh, of
0: course, you always are. There's there's no there's no loss that you're going to look at and be like, "Oh, I'm not mad." No, you're no. going to be upset that you lost. But I think the thing, like like you said, you know, we come out injury free. Yeah. We showed that we can com- we can compete sure. against you know this type of talent. And you look at it as a, hey, you know, if we compete, if we can put 28 or 21 points on a defense like Mississippi State, imagine what we're going to be able to do come conference time.
1: I'll be honest with you. I would be – I honestly expect us to put 21 points on them. Yeah. I do. I, I really Absolutely. do. I think we have the offense to do it. I think we have, um, again, having that year under, under Coach Napier's system is going to make a huge difference. I think we're going to see the results of that this year, hopefully in a good way. Um I really think that this team has some decent talent to be able to move the ball on Mississippi State. I really yep. do. Um so yeah. Uh, I one hundred percent agree. I, I, I do think they can score twenty one points. I think what's a little more concerning and look, they've only got they've got seven guys they need to replace on defense. Seven. That's a lot. Yep. So I'm hoping that, you know, that will, that will work to our advantage. Plus, the only thing I worry about is I know, like I said, Joe Moorhead is an offensive guy. He's an offensive-minded coach. He's really good at what he does. I'm a little shaky on whether or not the defense can stop Mississippi State. And not in a way where I don't think they'll give up 56 points like last season. But toward, come third quarter, fourth quarter, it, does this defense have the willpower to be able to kind of hold that line, if that makes any sense? Right. You know, that's because a lot of times when games are close, especially when you're pay, playing against P5 competition, if the game is close all the way up to around the third quarter, they start to wear you down on depth. Yep. Absolutely. Do we have the depth to be able to maintain the game or maintain uh, a close score late around, you know, late third, early fourth So it,
0: it, is this a game where you fully use the – bend but don't break mentality on on defense
1: um i think you kind of test the waters but i do think you have to be a little more aggressive at a team like this because what happens is is if you coast a little bit too much they're gonna run all over you and i don't mean run like they'll run and throw all over you i think you have to punch them in the mouth early you have to set a precedence um one thing i remember when the when the cajuns played florida in, in 2012, the one where oh. yeah, that heartbreaking loss on the block punt in the last play of the oh. game. One thing we did, we got we knocked Driscoll, uh, Jeff Driscoll out of the game, I think, in the second quarter. And we, we put some pressure on him. We sacked him a few times. They couldn't score. They couldn't score on our defense. And that set a precedence. I think if we set a precedence early on and keep it low scoring, the guys in the locker room are going to feel good at halftime. Yep. So that's very important. Um, like I said, I don't if you could keep the game close in the third, fourth quarter, you know the sky's the limit. But I'm a, I'm a little afraid that, you know, that FCC depth goes a little bit further than what we might
0: no, have. No, just look at the Texas A&M game from same two thing two years ago.
1: They beat us in the second half because they, yeah. they just they we we
0: beat. went into the locker room up a touchdown, they but we been. didn't have the depth to finish the game. And that's that's the only thing that concerns me. Yep, especially and, being earlier in the season. And team. you know, I, I think I think that's a legitimate concern and. You know, I think that's a concern that every member of Cajun Nation happens to have right now. And, uh, you know, with that, we'll kind of break into the the new RCAF plan that, that Napier created. If you don't know what we're talking about, Coach Napier announced yesterday that every scholarship athlete on the football team has to give a minimum of $50 per season to the Rage of Cajun Athletic Foundation. I don't know. You know, obviously, opinions will differ with, with this plan, um, I think it's great. You and I talked about it you know b- before the show. of course. we both agreed that it's great. Um, it, he, the words he used were you know the RCAF gives so much to the football program and does so much for the football program that it was time for the players to show their appreciation. Sure um, and, and they do that by, by giving back to what was given. And so I think it's a I think it's a great idea. I think it's something that is a little unheard of in college athletics, but I do believe that, you know, the perfect example is the concession stand prices. People yeah. when our concession stand prices came out, people looked at them and said this will never work, right? But it's going to. Sure. And I think it's going to start a trend throughout the nation. Where schools are going to start lowering their concession prices, and I think it's the same thing with this. You know, schools that have these athletic foundations that help fund a majority of the way your athletic budget runs. When you're when you when you see your players start to give back, you know maybe that brings in more fans to give back. Absolutely, and it shows that you know it's one cohesive unit, and we're all in it together absolutely um, so you know I, I, I think that this is a this is a huge thing for the university and I think it's going to go a long way in teaching these players to be better men
1: well I mean if you think about it growing up right when you were little you did chores you know around the house you vacuumed you know I did the dishes I took the trash out you know we, we, you, you did things whether you were paid an allowance or not why because you showed appreciation for your parents uh, giving you a place to live and it's a way for you to say, you know what, it's, it's, it's a token. Not only is it a token of appreciation, but it's almost your own sort of payment to being able to, you know, live in air condition or being able to get an education that your parents have given you or, or, or whatever it is. Whatever so it is, right? I think this is sort of like doing, doing the dishes in that these players, you know, giving the $50 shows that look, they, there's a sign of it. That's a token of appreciation for what's been given to them. You know, the RCAF, help fund the APC. The RCAF help helped fund that nice that nice locker room they're in. The RCAF helped them fund the top ten uh, largest weight room in the country. The RCAF helped them fund you know the that nutrition the, the staff. nutrition staff that they have. It helped them fund that nice whirlpool they have and the nice training rooms that they have. The RCAF helped them fund a lot of things that they they get for free. I mean right. I mean well, because they're on scholarships. So I think that's really I think that's very fair and also it'll teach them an appreciation for what they have to wear once they go out into the real world and start making their own money uh, working and creating you know getting jobs and creating a living for themselves and creating their own careers they'll come back and say you know they did a lot for me and I want to give more than 50 bucks maybe I want to give you know 150 bucks maybe 250 bucks maybe a thousand dollars so I think like you said it creates cohesive cohesiveness, uh, cohesiveness. And I also think it kind of gives that incentive to fans that, man, these players, they really do, you know, even though some people may say, oh, well, coach is making them, but at the same time, they're still doing it. And it shows to the fans, man, if, if these guys can give back, maybe I can give something.
0: Yeah, they're, they're, do, they're doing it without complaint. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it might be a rule on, on the program, but there's also you know, they, they could still say no. Well, I think also, too,
1: and being in the financial field, there's a return on investment with that, right? So when they give their 50 bucks, that 50 bucks goes into the pool that'll pay, whether it's a coach's salary, right, or, uh, you know, let's say, for instance, they need to repave the parking lot or uh, improvements to, a, to an athletic facility that they get to work out and train and play in. So their return on investment is the fact that that money goes to something that'll help them out.
0: Or their apparel contract is up. Sure. Or... And,
1: and so I think at the end of the day, one thing we've learned about these athletic foundations is you really, in college sports study, you can't survive with,
0: you cannot without survive
1: without a, a, an no, athletic foundation. Absolutely. I mean, some of these athletic foundations, there's about 20 something schools that fund the entire athletic program look, without look at, state funding. Look, look at LSU with TAF. It, it funds their athletic program. I mean, and, and so much to where there's a whole brawl, upheaval in Baton Rouge right now because the TAF came on and said, "Look, we're not funding academics anymore. They're on their own." And look at all I mean, all, 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 all hell broke loose because of, of their athletic director saying that, but it goes to show you how wealthy their yeah. athletic foundation is. And so now you look at whether it's TAF or RCAF, you see where that money goes, whether it's a, I mean, look, people give enough money, that can extend a coach's contract. That could determine whether or not a coach goes somewhere else to coach. That's a big deal. So in today's in today's modern world, man, college athletics it's business. It, there's no more. Um, there's no more of the. Well, the coach stays here for thirty something years. It's all about what can you do for me now because of these athletic foundations. It's, it's an investment. It's not. A, it's not a charity. It's an investment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think I think one thing that, that's important in this in this plan is that scholarship athletes are required to give fifty dollars. Good. Now, if you're a walk-on, it is an optional donation, and I totally understand that because when you're a walk-on, you got to pay. You're you're (laughs) funding. You're funding everything. everything. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, So you know, if, if you have the extra money to give and you want to give, then you know, good on you. But nobody's making you.
1: And I think also too to the fans, and I want to say this particular particularly to the fans. And I've always said it. You know, we want to be big time. Big time costs money.
0: That's what it takes. That's the reality
1: of the of modern college athletics. I mean, you know, you want a nice stadium, you got to give. You want to pay,
0: pay to park without complaint.
1: Look, you if you want to be big time, big time costs money. Those budgets don't grow by themselves. You know, I mean, look when conferences look at you, the, the few things they look at, they look at your athletic budget. They look at what you do on and off the field. They look at your facilities. They look at your athletic foundation. They look at your support group. They look at the town you're in and the surrounding areas that you're in to see if you have enough support um, through the media and whatnot. So there's, it's not just the athletic foundation, but at the same time, there's a common denominator. Money. No. It costs money. Big time costs money. That's, that's the way of the world today, especially in college athletics. So... To those of you who give to RCAF, and if you can't give, it's not a big deal. But if you do have some extra money and you're a Cajuns fan and you want to support the program, give to RCAF. And here's the beauty of RCAF: you can pick where the money goes. You want it to go to baseball? It goes to baseball. You want it to go to, to softball? It goes to softball. Basketball? Basketball uh, goes to football. It goes to football. just go. If you don't know what to
0: give, give it to the general fund. Yeah, just give it to the fund. Right, and and like you said, you know, no athletic program today can survive without a. Without an athletic foundation, it's hard, and you know that, that's why I go back to the hiring of Lee DeLeon, and I just I love what he's going to be able to do with with the RCAF. He he created the athletic foundation at Abilene Christian,
1: and he was the athletic director there too. So he's and got a background in
0: his first year with that new athletic foundation. They fundraised six and a half million dollars.
1: That's really good. At a, at a school like Abilene Christian, that's
0: very impressive. So, with 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 what we have here in Lafayette, there's no telling what that number can become.
1: No, and I also think too. Not to mention, um, the sky's the limit. I know right now, you know, and not to get about all about economics and whatnot, but the the Lafayette economy is it, it struggled the past few years. So, I think RCAF took a little bit of a nosedive because yep. of it. But I do think that there's still money out there. Uh, I don't expect. I don't expect the uh, the budget to go stagnant. If you notice the actual athletic budget, the athletic budget's increased every year. I believe the Cajuns athletic, UL athletic budget as of last year is at around $32 million. I remember being in college when it was at like 14 or $15 million, only like 10, yeah, 11 years it's ago. It's nearly doubled. It's right. nearly doubled. So you've seen how much it's grown, and it's not just UL. It's a lot of other schools as well around the country through media contracts, through new ways of marketing, and I mean, look, they, the the value of college athletics is going up every year. So you know, now you want to you want to keep up with the Joneses there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think that's going to about wrap it up. Um, you know, obviously, we talked about the preview for for the Mississippi State game. Um, I would, again, there's you know there's a lot of excitement going on with that game. We are 16 days away. So uh, if you haven't gotten your tickets yet, RagingCajuns Cajun Dome box office. Uh, Ticketmaster, StubHub, you know where, wherever you want to buy your tickets. Or like like we said, there will be tickets available on Saturday, August thirty first. Walk up to the Superdome box office, buy buy a couple of tickets. Um, come support the Cajuns. Obviously, you know it's going to be a fun atmosphere. It's going to be, it's going to be in any any time you get together to play a team like Mississippi State and it's on national television. It, it's going to be a good time. Uh, so definitely come out to New Orleans if you can. Uh, it's a great start to your Labor Day weekend. Um, and also too, this coming Sunday, August eighteenth, from to 1, p- to one p eleven
1: a.m. to one p.m. at the Cage Dome Convention
0: Center, Fan Day. Free admission. First three thousand people will get a free T-shirt sponsored by Cox. And you know you can meet the meet the football players, the volleyball players, and the soccer players. Um, get autographs. You know, schedule posters will be there whatnot you could, they i'm sure there will be an rcaf table set up mm-hmm. you can learn more about what the rcaf offers and how you can you can contribute so yeah fan day is a awesome event and i think that everybody should go if, if you can um even if it's just for five minutes to come stop by and check it out uh you know what, whatever you can do definitely definitely makes an impact um you know follow the podcast on facebook follow us on twitter follow us on instagram Search Raging Cajun Army, and the pages will appear. You can also go to SoundCloud.com slash Raging Cajun Army. Um, I've had multiple people ask me this. I am working on it. The podcast will soon be available on iTunes. Um, and I know that that's been a thing that some people have asked, so that I am working to make that happen. And Until then, just um, like I said, just follow us on social, social media, keep up with the podcast, and we'll talk soon. Go Cajuns!